couple of weeks ago, I brought in some of the cooking tools that I've acquired over the last couple of years and shared those with you in a sermon. I mentioned in that sermon that Trish thinks I have too many cooking tools. You know, I'm kind of clogging things up in the kitchen with all of these things that I, that I get. And, and then my birthday came along later that week, and she got me for my birthday, she, she got me this, an honest-to-goodness chef's knife. Uh, I am not taking it out of its little plastic sheath because it is, it is very sharp, and we are still in the getting-to-know-you phase of our relationship. I, uh, I don't want it to cut me, and I wouldn't want to hurt it either. Uh, I'm very cautious with it. I only use it occasionally. You know, the thing about a chef's knife is that the chef's knife belongs to the chef. Thank you. belongs to the chef. doesn't belong to the restaurant. It doesn't belong to the kitchen. If the chef should leave and go to work at another restaurant, he takes the chef knife with him. It's his knife. He knows the knife. He knows what it's capable of doing. He knows its balance. He knows its blade. He knows what it does do. He knows what it should do. He knows what it shouldn't do. And it's the chef's responsibility to keep the chef knife sharp, to keep it working for him. And a good chef's knife, if properly cared for, it ought to last a lifetime. First thing I did when Trish gave me this knife is I went online and I bought a knife sharpener. Well, that's not the first thing I did. The first thing I did was be very careful with it because I didn't want to hurt myself. And then I went online and I researched knife sharpeners. I wanted to make sure I got the right one. And so I found the, the knife sharpener that the guy who actually had this knife made, whose name is on the side of the knife, I found the knife sharpener that he uses. And I thought, well, he knows this knife well enough. I'm going to use whatever knife sharpener he uses. The, the knife has to be sharpened from time to time. You have to, you have to uh, keep that knife ready to go. You, you've probably heard the saying before. There is nothing more dangerous than a dull knife. I'm not sure about that, but I do know this. A dull knife doesn't do the job. It doesn't do the work for you. We're looking at Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 today. Proverbs 27, 17. It's a proverb that I think many of you are probably familiar with. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. This past week, I asked the question on Facebook and Instagram. I asked the question, what makes your best friend your best friend? What makes that person your best friend? And I had a lot of great responses from some of my friends. My friend Lynn, he said, it's someone, who can be, it's someone you can be honest with, and they are honest with you. My friend Sean said, uh, it is trust based on common experiences to which no one else can relate. And then my friend Dave said that your best friend is the one who pays the bail without asking why you're there again. And then my friend Jim countered and said, a best friend won't bail you out of jail. He'll be right there next to you. He'll be right there with you. I love that there are proverbs that are concerned about friendship. I love that God is concerned about your friendship. He wants the best friends for you, and he wants you to be the best friend. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Do you have friendships like that? Do you have relationships like that? You need a friend 
who brings out the best in you. What does that kind of friendship look like? This proverb tells us a lot. And the first thing it tells us is something that you might even overlook at first. The first thing it tells us is you need a friend who is allowed to be abrasive with you. You need a friend who is allowed to be abrasive. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I've always loved that verse. I used to have it on a coffee cup. I've had it on a t-shirt before. I've seen it in cards. I've sent it in cards to my friends. And in my head, when I hear that verse, I can't help but get that, get that image in my head of an axe being dragged across the sharpening wheel and, and the, the sparks flying and the sight of that gleaming, sharp edge shining and, and ready to cut. But you know, I had to stop and think about this just a little bit. The key to that image of sharpening a blade, the key to that image is abrasion. The iron is rubbing up against another piece of iron. It's metal on metal. It, it's harsh and it's hard and it is abrasive. But here's the key when it comes to sharpening a blade. It has to be done at the correct angle. It's not about butting heads. It's not about clashing. It's not about grating on each other. That's not friendship. Rather, it's about how we approach each other at the correct angle. My chef's knife wants to be sharpened at an 18-degree angle. That's what's best for my chef's knife, that it be held at an 18-degree angle to be sharpened. And what's best for you is that you have a friend who can approach you at just the right angle, who can say the tough stuff that needs to be said. If you go up just a few verses in chapter 27, verse 6, it's there that we read, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend? Yeah, because you know that wound, that thing that your friend is saying that hurts, that's sometimes harsh, it's sometimes hard to hear, you know that that is coming to you from the correct angle. It's not coming from an angle to hurt you, but to heal you, to help you, to make you better. I heard that in the responses I got this week to the question, what makes your best friend your best friend? I love how Kendra put it. Kendra said, it's unconditional love but, and brutal honesty when necessary. Unconditional love and brutal honesty when necessary. Who has permission in your life to be brutally honest? Who has permission to ask the tough questions? Who has permission to call you on your, to call you on your stuff? Who has permission to say those things? You need someone to be that for you, and you need to be that for someone else. A little while ago, I got together with a friend. We hadn't seen each other for quite a while. We used to get together pretty regular, and we haven't seen each other for quite a while, and, and I asked him some tough questions. And I asked him some tough questions because I know he's been going through some difficult stuff. He's been dealing with a lot of stuff in his life. And so I asked him how it was going. And he told me. And then he said, you know, no one asks those questions. He thanked me. Thanked me for asking the question. He says, no one asks me those questions. He said, I've, I've shared this with a lot of people. I've shared these problems with a lot of people. And I've asked them to hold me accountable. I've asked them to check in on me. And no one will ask me how I'm doing. He said, I think they're afraid. I think they're afraid to ask the questions. 
You need to have someone in your life who has permission to ask to see how you're doing. You need to have permission in your life for someone to say, how are you doing? No, really, how are you really doing? You need to have someone in your life who will ask you how you're handling the depression, how your relationships are going, how's your marriage, what are you doing for your marriage right now? You need someone in your life who has permission to say, how much are you drinking lately? How much pornography have you been looking at lately? You need someone in your life who's close enough to, to be abrasive on those rough spots at just the right angle. I, I pray that you've got a friend like that. And I pray that you are a friend like that. And as iron sharpens iron at that angle, we see that in, we see that it hones. We see that it sharpens. We see that it, it removes the burrs and the nicks and it uncovers that perfect edge. That's something that friendship does. Your friend, your friendship needs to polish both of you. Your friendship needs to polish both of you. Iron sharpens iron. One commentary I read said, it's a healthy clash of personal values. I kind of like that. A healthy clash of personal values. I hope you see that in your friendship. You know, you and your friend, you don't have to be exactly the same. You and your friend don't have to agree about everything because if two people agree about everything, then one person is unnecessary at that point. There needs to be some give and take for you to bring out the best in each other. Lori put it this way. I love how she put it. She said, it's the honesty. What makes your best friend your best friend? She said, it's the honesty. You can be exactly yourself and get actual decent advice. No holds barred and also no hurt feelings because you appreciate each other's bluntness. I want you to hear that. It's about each other. Hear that for each other. It's about give and take. It's not about give and give and give and give and give. Iron sharpens iron. It doesn't say one iron gets sharpened by another iron. Both come away sharper. Both of them come away better. Let's get real honest here. There are times when our friendships can get very one-sided. There are times when our friendships get very one-sided and it stops being about sharpening each other and you end up being a sounding board or worse, you end up being a punching bag in that relationship. And you come away drained, you come away beat up, you come away feeling like you have been dulled in that relationship. So many of us have examples of lifelong friendships. We've known them forever. And we value those friendships so much, but there are friendships that just run their course. And we've got to be okay with that. There's some friendships that are just there for a season. We need to be okay with that. I find myself going back to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 a lot. You know, the, the turn, turn, turn poem there in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There's a time to be born, there's a time to die. There's a time to plant, there's a time to sow. Chapter 3, verse 7 says, There is a time to tear and a time to mend. And we need to be very aware that it's okay if there is a time to tear, if there's a time to pull apart. We've all got that potential to be toxic. 
We've all got that potential to start taking more than we're giving. And every now and then in a relationship, in a friendship, we need to pause and we need to ask the question, am I getting better because of this friendship? Is this friendship making me better or is this friendship simply making me more comfortable with my flaws? Is it just making me more comfortable with my mistakes? And we seriously need to ask the question, am I making my friend better? Am I seeking the best for my friend? Or am I just trying to make them just as miserable as I am? What makes your best friend your best friend? Christie said, my best friends know when to tell me what I want to hear, but they also know when to tell me what I need to hear. And my friend Tracy put it this way. He said, that best friend brings the full weight of grace and truth to the, to the relationship. They love to listen and ask good questions and they always keep their eyes on Christ. You know, I pray you've got a friend like that. I pray that you are a friend like that. Because more than just acceptance, more than just companionship, you need a friend who brings out the best in you. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That word for sharpen there, it occurs seven times in the Old Testament. Seven times that word for sharpen is used. Two times are here in this verse, and six times it's translated sharpen, but there's a different use in one of those verses where that, where that word appears. In Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 1, God is telling his people about the enemies that are coming against them and the power and the strength of those enemies. And in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 8, it says, their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. And the word that's translated fierce there, more fierce than the evening wolves, is the same word that we have for sharp here in Proverbs 27, 17. It's the same word as sharp. It's an interesting use of that word, isn't it? You need a friend who wants to see you fierce. You need a friend who wants you to be fierce, who wants to see you overcome your challenges, who wants to see you attack your problems head on. Fierce enough to stand up for yourself. Fierce enough to fight for what you know is right. And fierce enough to defend your friends when your friends are attacked. That kind of strength, that kind of sharpness comes when iron sharpens iron. When friends seek the very best for each other. As I was looking at this verse all this past week and as I was working on this sermon, I couldn't help but think of two of my best friends, Dick Miller and Tony Crouch. And whether we did it on purpose, whether we did it consciously or not, I'm not sure. But this verse has come to define our friendship. We are there to be iron sharpening iron for each other. That's the kind of friends we want to be. We want to sharpen. We want to shape. We want to make each other better. Tony and Dick are two of the greatest encouragers I have. They are two of the greatest sharpeners. They seek the best in me, and I seek the best in them. Both of them responded to my question, what makes your best friend your best friend? Dick said it in one word, time. It takes an investment of time. You need to be there for your friend, and I need to spend a little more time with Dick, I think. And then my friend Tony. Tony got to the heart of it without me even mentioning the verse. Tony said it's about iron sharpens iron. He says, my best friend has been with me at my lowest and still loves me. Tony's been that kind of friend for me. There's another verse, another proverb that you know the truth of. 
Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know the truth of that, don't you? A man of many companions, a person of many friends may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You have seen the power of stupid people in large groups, haven't you? You've known what happens when a, a group of friends get together. You get a large group of friends together. You know there is going to be one of them who's going to say something stupid, who's going to do something stupid. And so when you're crossing the border into another country, there is that one friend that you have to turn around to in the back seat. And you have to say, when the border guard gets up to our car, you keep your mouth shut, Brett. I have friends named Brett. It's okay. It could be anyone. But we've seen that what happens. You get a large group of people together, and it's easy to lose yourself in a crowd. It's easy to forget who you are. It's easy to forget who you're trying to be, who you want to be. You got that one friend, that one friend who knows you, who knows the, who wants the very best for you, that friend who is closer than a brother. I pray you have a friend like that. I pray that you are a friend like that. If you're like me, you can't hear that verse there in chapter 18. You can't hear that, those words, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You can't hear that without thinking of Jesus. Because I immediately think of Jesus when I hear that verse. I don't think that verse is about Jesus. But still, the verse is about a loyal friendship that guides you not into ruin, but into deeper character. A friendship that, that guides you into deeper commitment, one that seeks the very best for you. And that's the kind of friendship, that's the kind of relationship that Jesus calls us to when he calls us his friend. And ultimately, any friendship that you have is one that should bring you closer to Jesus as they see his love in you, as they see you forgiving them just as Jesus forgives, as they see you caring as Jesus cares, and as they see you confronting in places that need confrontation. That's how iron sharpens iron. That's how you be a friend that sticks closer than a brother, closer than a sister. That's how Jesus is seen in your relationships. As we're going through Proverbs, we like to give you little cards every week. This week we have a little card for you. It's got our verse on it. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Proverbs 27, 17. And then it's got that quote from Proverbs 18, 24. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And then there's the simple encouragement at the bottom of this card. Simple encouragement to be that friend. Be the friend who sharpens and sticks. Don't be the friend that puts another friend down. Don't be the friend that drags another person down. Don't be a friend who avoids those tough converse conversations. Don't be a, a friend who's not there when things get difficult. Be the friend who sharpens and sticks. You know, this week, maybe, maybe you don't take just one card. Maybe you take two cards. Maybe you take one card and you give it to your friend and you tell them, this is the kind of friend that you are to me that I want you to be to me, and this is the kind of friend that I want to be to you. Jesus, Jesus has something about friendship that none of us have permission 
to say to our other friends. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. <laughs> Jesus is allowed to say that. We're not allowed to say that to, our other, to, to each other as our friends. Jesus says, you are my friend if you do what I command. He's allowed to say that because he is our Lord. He is the one who commands us. He is allowed to say that because he is our Savior. He is the one who saves us like no other can. I'm going to sing a song here in a few moments that I think speaks to both of those qualities of Jesus. Trust and obey. We trust him because he's our Savior. We trust him because he's our friend. We trust him because we know he wants the very best for us. And we obey because he's our Lord. And we obey him because we know that he's in charge, that he's in command. And we obey him when he calls us to be friends who love one another, who sharpen one another, who stick with one another. I'm going to pray. I'm going to sing our song, and then we'll take communion together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for friendships. Lord, I think every one of us could point to a friend that we have who makes us better. A friendship that calls us to, to be better people, who calls us to, to sharpen, to call, who calls us to, to stick with our friends. And Father, we didn't learn that on our own. We learned that from you. We learned that from Jesus. We thank you that Jesus calls us to be his friend also. Lord, as we, as we take today, we remember that that friendship is not cheap. That friendship is costly. It cost him his body broken, his blood shed. And as we take together today, we not only take this cup and take this bread, but we take within us the character and the person of Jesus Christ. Lord, I, I pray that that's seen this week in the way that we are friends with others, the way that we love our friends, the way that we care for those that you surround us with. Let our time of communion with you today uh, just uh, em embolden our friendship and embody the life of Christ as we share with our friends. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.